President and CEO of the Better Government Association, the BGA turning a lot of its focus now to the coronavirus pandemic, government's response to it, and still ensuring that we are able to uh, to monitor and keep tabs on what our government is doing. And, and David, I know you know this as well. Uh, a sense of unrest is growing. We have seen at least one small protest. Other protests are planned. And Governor J.B. Pritzker is still playing it pretty close to the vest on uh, the stay-at-home order, indicating that uh, we could see some modifications, but the governor also, it seems like, uh, laying the groundwork to plan to be hunkered down for a while longer because he says we're still not really uh, close to the peak yet. No, the the there's good news and bad news here. Uh, the good news is that there's com- great compliance with the stay-at-home order in the state of Illinois. The bad news in terms of our personal convenience, but uh, really that's only that. And and I guess the returning the economy to better strength is that that extends the curve. The curve gets flattened out, and it means it's longer before we hit that peak. Uh, that uh, saves lives because the hospital systems are able to uh, handle the surge of patients that still is coming in at a rate of more than 100 people a day, uh, more than 100 deaths per day in Illinois still. Um, but it but it keeps uh, it, it means it's a lo- it'll be longer before we can uh, get out of our houses. Um, and it'll be difficult because we're going to begin seeing other states start to uh, ease their stay-at-home orders, and that creates risk uh, for us health-wise, but also it'll create more political pressure to open up the state. You know, I know I know it's frustrating for a lot of people because we have, uh, it looks like at least, achieved one goal of, uh, of all of these restrictions, which is to avoid the calamitous situation where hospitals would have been simply overrun with ICU patients and patients needing ventilators. Uh, we seem to have an ample supply of both of those right now. But as you said, uh, we're, we're flattening out and, and lengthening out to that curve, uh, which means that the number of cases is still on an upward trajectory even the federal government's guidelines say we should be seeing about 14 days of diminishing cases uh before we can uh, start to to think about reopening and it looks like we're not going to hit that point for uh, for several more weeks yet uh and so david it really just becomes a question again of balancing public health and safety versus economic freedom there's a lot of people who want to get back to work they want to get out to restaurants they want to go see shows they want to do all of these things uh and 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 life is is never risk-free there's always some inherent risk in everything we do and it really becomes a question of balancing that level of risk with the potential economic reward of reopening the state that's true and and those that that desire to, that you just outlined there, Jim, is a lot about a very personal thing and not taking into account the risk to uh, health and safety for individual people, as well as the risk of, of uh, kind of flooding the system with uh, the, the a number of cases that it can't handle. And um, COVID-19 is now in 96 of 102 counties of Illinois. And some of the downstate counties have very little ability to handle any kind of a surge of patients. Uh, you know, there are some counties that only have a you know a couple dozen uh, hospital, you know, a few dozen hospital beds, much less a very well equipped ICU. And um, 
it, it's it, we all have to take that into account. Um, you see these protesters out there saying open up the state, and I realize there aren't very many of them, but uh, but nevertheless, the, the bigger picture is this is working. It's costing us all a lot. It's frustrating us. It's hurting the economy in the near term, but it's not hurting the economy as much as it would if we had a, an out-of-control outbreak that would completely shut us down and be killing people uh, instead of by the hundreds, by the thousands in the state of Illinois. And the reality is, even if we were to wave a wand tomorrow and say, okay, the state's reopened, the public's going to really decide a lot of that. They will be the ones who will decide when they're ready to go back to restaurants, ready to go back to bars, ready to go back to uh, sports stadiums and things. A lot of uh, polls indicating people aren't really at that point yet. Well, no, I, most people are not. Most people are, are taking this very seriously and complying, and we're all getting used to this being kind of locked into our houses, but we're getting by. And um, uh, people compared this to a war, and um, it's, it's apt in the sense that we're all involved and we're all affected, and by and large, people are doing their best to rally around the need for everybody to comply with the what seems to be pretty good leadership on the part of Governor Pritzker uh, uh, day by day at his press conferences, et cetera. Uh, some of the collateral damage of this war, of course, is Illinois' uh, fiscal uh, health, which was gradually, very gradually, it appeared uh, starting to mend a bit and now is is uh, uh, in, in critical care at this point uh, and, and perhaps on its deathbed as we've seen uh, the state drop back down to just one notch above junk bond status uh, and, uh, and looking pleadingly toward Washington for help, which led the uh, Illinois Senate president this week to uh, contact Illinois' congressional delegation with a pretty big, bold ask of uh, help for state government, local governments, uh, and including help for our pension system here in Illinois. Yes, uh, Don Harmon, the new state Senate president, sent a letter to the Illinois delegation um, uh, in, in Congress outlining a list of needs, uh, $40 billion worth of needs that he said the state of Illinois has. And the one that's getting most of the attention is the $10 billion uh, for the state's pension system. This request is has been roundly criticized uh, be, as Illinois seeking to use uh, relief funds to fix a problem created by the state legislature, never seriously addressed by the state legislature, having nothing to do with fighting coronavirus, uh, et cetera. Now, there's a little bit in there that, yeah, of course, because the economy is slowing down, tax revenues will be down, et cetera, et cetera. You can make an argument that the pension system is being affected by coronavirus, but it's a, it's a strained argument because even if revenues came in as planned, the state was not doing nearly enough to pay into its pension system. The problem had been built for for many, many years. And and so, Senator Harmon, uh, this perhaps this was well-intentioned on his part, but it really has not played well politically, either locally or nationally. No, definitely uh, a lot of blowback from this and uh, some fear that in the long run it could make it even harder uh, for Illinois and other similar states to get uh, help from Washington uh, for fear it's going to be painted as, oh, you're just looking for a bailout for the problems that you already had that had nothing at all to do with coronavirus. And David, I, I don't know about you, I, I 
don't think when this year started that we'd be spending time talking about the state of Illinois basically having to work back channels to acquire tons of personal protective equipment from China, which certainly does complicate the whole keeping tabs on government spending thing. A little bit harder to work our way through the Chinese bureaucracy even than uh, working through Illinois bureaucracy, which is in itself a challenge at times. Uh, but but here we, we go again with another big uh, airlift this week, uh, bringing in lots of PPE that's got to be checked and scrutinized to make sure it actually works. We've gotten burned already in this process here. It's a very unusual time in which we're living. Yes, it certainly is. And you're right, it is hard to track. Uh, the flights to uh, to and from China to collect PPE have been, have been brought to the surface by disclosures by the state controller, Susanna Mendoza. Uh, $174 million spent on PPE since the coronavirus outbreak began, and, and um, uh, reporters for the BGA and elsewhere noted that uh, there were a couple of FedEx notations there, which is what alerted us to these flights. There's a lot of cloak and dagger here, in part because Governor Pritzker has expressed concern that were the White House to be aware that Illinois was was making these shipments, arranging these shipments, he's worried that the federal government would try to seize some of the equipment and send it elsewhere. That tells you just how crazy this situation has become, where state governors are bidding against each other. Some have compared it to an eBay auction. Individual states, we've seen the governor of Maryland, for example, arrange through family contacts to go to South Korea for personal protective equipment and, and other materials that are needed. Um, what we are seeing is is a test of governors in particular to be resourceful, to lead their teams of people. And uh, Governor Pritzker seems to have done pretty well. Um, uh, there are issues with regard to testing. He has not reached his 10,000 tests per day target that was set initially. It's ranging more in the way of around 8,000. And now he's blaming the White House for the fact that there is not enough material to process tests. It's we're, getting, we're able to take the tests, but getting them actually processed and getting answers on the tests is the big challenge that the governor seems to be focusing on right now. Uh, and these are issues that are not going to go away, and they remain an important factor in determining when we can start to reopen the state. Uh, this crisis is also exposing some of the things that, you know, we talked a good game about for a long time here in Illinois, said these are things we really ought to do, but we just didn't get around to doing them. And now we're in desperate need of them. One of those is uh, in the area of remote learning around the state. Right. About five years ago, the state started talking about the need for e-learning capability. And in fact, the State Board of Education encouraged the school districts around the state to begin experimenting with e-learning. This would eliminate the need for snow days, possibly, which was the original focus. And districts were encouraged to do as many as five days of e-learning on a trial basis. Well, now we really need e-learning in order for school districts to finish out the school year. And as it turned out, um, only one in four school districts actually had a, a plan in place when COVID started. There are 852 districts in uh, in the state, so that means a little more than 200 districts actually had a plan in place. Just having a plan in place doesn't mean they had any experience or knew what they were doing. And we've seen instances of um, in 230 districts, at least, uh, where, where school buses actually are driving routes and dropping off materials for students, whereas by this point, one would hope that the school districts can um, do more digitally. 
On top of all that, there's a rural city divide. The the downstate neighbor uh, districts are more challenged on technology. And of course, there is an economic divide too, where the uh, internet connections and such in the urban inner cities uh, are much less um, strong than in some of the wealthier neighborhoods. So there are all kinds of issues that have been brought up by this move to remote learning, which has been necessitated by COVID. And unfortunately, uh, the fiscal situation now and for the foreseeable future may make it difficult to close some of those very real gaps. David Grison, we're out of time, only about 15 seconds left. Tell people how to reach you in the BGA the rest of the week. I'm at dgreising at bettergov.org. That's D-G-R-E-I-S-I-N-G at bettergov.org. And our website is bettergov.org. And here each Wednesday, full disclosure on the WMAY morning news feed. David, thanks. We'll talk to you next week. Thank you, Jim. Bye-bye.